You're listening to episode 212 of the Fitz Pro podcast. And today we are going over training to failure, defining volume versus trash volume, working at high loads and hypertrophy. So kind of what do all of those things mean in terms of hypertrophy? So if you are wanting to put on muscle mass or your clients are wanting to put on muscle mass, today's episode is going to be for you. Without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average FitzPro. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a FitzPro. I want to start off today's podcast by thanking Legion Athletics. They are the number one brand of all natural sports supplements in the world. They are what I use personally and what I started using when we stopped world travels in 2020, I believe it was, um, duh, because it was the panorama. So I started using Legion because I wanted to get back into using some kind of supplement for my training. And I just really trusted Legion from a consumer standpoint. They have all of the literature and the peer-reviewed literature on their site for why they use not only the ingredients that they use, but also the dosages that they use. So what dosage actually has the effect that a supplement is claiming to do for you. So if you are interested in adding protein, creatine, vitamins, minerals into your dietary intake, in addition to whatever you're eating, then go ahead and check out Legion. You can get 20% off your first order with code Annie at checkout if you go to buylegion.com, B-U-Y, legion.com. And if you are already an existing customer and you just want to support me, then you can use code Annie to get double Legion reward points. Now, again, like I said in the intro, today's episode is really all about hypertrophy, but looking at what you really have to do to get it, what some of the common things are, some of the common training methodologies that have been used to claim that they give you hypertrophy and how much of that is true. So today we are talking about the subject of hypertrophy and how training to failure trash volume and high loads can possibly play a role in that. And I want to be clear that trash volume does not play a role in hypertrophy. So we will define what trash volume is, as well as what higher volume in general can do for hypertrophy potentially. As I have explained on multiple platforms, but for any of you who might need a refresher, hypertrophy just refers to an increase in muscle cell size. When that happens, collectively in multiple muscle cells, which a muscle cell is the same thing as a muscle fiber, the overall size of the muscle increases and we have hypertrophy. So muscle growth and hypertrophy are and can be used interchangeably. Hypertrophy is a goal for most people who lift weights, I think in some way, shape or form. People either want to put on muscle size because having muscle is great for metabolic health or because muscle mass is the potential for strength if strength output is their goal or for performance goals, you would also want to put on muscle mass. And of course, from an aesthetic standpoint, if you want to have a toned appearance, then building muscle would be a goal that you have, probably a primary one. So regardless of whichever of those is your goal or the goal of your clients, we're going to start off today by talking about training to failure. There was a point in my own training career that I followed a specific program 
that took the last set to failure on every exercise. I would be lying if I didn't say that I put on a large amount of muscle mass during that time. It was actually one of the only times in my training career, my amateur training career, let's not sound like I'm legit, that I was able to like really build biceps. I do not genetically build biceps. My deltoids, my shoulders put on muscle mass very easily with little volume, little stimulus, and that gives me the kind of faux appearance that I have biceps because there is separation between my deltoid and my bicep, but that is thanks to my bicep, or thanks to my deltoid, not my bicep. I was also like 19 years old and very much so in a muscle building prime. I was also working out six days a week and eating like a freaking linebacker. So there were a lot of other factors at play there. I can't just say it was the training that I was doing, but I do think that training to failure was absolutely one of those significant factors in my muscle growth. Now, there is plenty of research that supports training to failure and the stimulus of muscle protein synthesis, which we need in order to build muscle. But then we also have the question of how often do you need to train to failure? Is this on every set? Is this on every program that you follow forever? Like what is the duration of training to failure? Or can we get the same effect of training close to failure without actually training to failure? Do we need to actually train to absolute failure to get these hypotrophic effects? And research would say, no, we don't. For instance, if you are training within one to two reps of failure, you are going to get the same effect as training to absolute failure from a hypertrophy standpoint. You'll see the same thing when we talk about volume. There is a point of diminishing returns where the risk outweighs the reward and you can get the reward by doing less. This is kind of where the minimal dose effect comes in, in terms of training, volume, prescription, all of that stuff. So it is clear that you do need to or can benefit from training close to failure in order to build muscle. It's one of the best ways that we can increase and progress mechanical tension, which is any stress that we put on the muscle, essentially. It's the demand that we put on the muscle to contract. If that is the approach that you are taking, the reason behind this is that by training close to failure, you are recruiting as many muscle fibers within that muscle as possible. Range of motion does play a role here as well, but as a general rule of thumb for hypertrophy, one effective approach will be to train many of your working sets until one to two reps are left in the tank. That's a one or two RIR, which is reps in reserve. That would be an RPE of eight or nine. Not every set needs to be like this on every single lift, but for a good portion of your working sets, I would argue that this does need to be the case, certainly for your accessory work. I say that because in the accessory work, there is less risk involved training near failure On the contrary, I would not suggest this approach for many of your main compound lifts, depending on your training age. And your training age just refers to how many years you've been consistently lifting weights for. If you have a lot of experience under heavy barbell, heavy loads, pulling loads, pushing loads, moving a heavy barbell, I would be less concerned with you training close to failure on every set. I just am not sure if that would be the best choice of exercise selection and training to failure. 
There's definitely research that supports high volume training as well as high load training for building muscle. And there may be less risk involved with training at higher volumes with lighter weights. I say maybe. I am not speaking in absolutes here. That's just one perspective. Personal preference also comes into play. And like I said, in trained athletes, there was one study that showed with back squat that the high volume, low load group, as well as the high load, low volume group, both significantly increased muscle size. So that kind of supports that either or can have a hypotrophic effect. I will make an argument for training to failure for one phase of training, not even a full mesocycle, which would be like three to four months. A lot of training is determined by subjectivity when it comes to load. So if you're using RPE or using RIR, then that means you would need to know what it feels like to have one to two reps left in the tank. I would argue that most people are probably not training at a high enough intensity for the results that they want. So they would need to train to actual failure on a set of a given lift or exercise in order to actually feel what it's like to experience muscle failure. And then they have a better idea of what leaving one to two in the tank is going to feel like. And again, that just ensures that during their working sets, they are actually working at that RPE of eight or nine to get the best muscle growth that they can from whatever lifts they're doing. And to be extra, extra clear, when I say muscle failure, uh, many images may pop into your head. I'm talking about the point at which velocity slows completely to a stop. Form does not break. There's no pauses. So we're not doing a rep pausing doing another rep. No, we are fluidly moving through this motion until the muscle literally just cannot perform the movement. The movement is performed in a controlled manner until the muscle fails. You simply cannot complete the rep. This is true muscle failure, and it can be honestly quite a safe approach if performed correctly. Let's go ahead and move on to trash volume. What I refer to as trash volume, what the industry has called trash volume. Not all volume is trash volume. And to be clear, volume is just your sets and reps, how much work you're doing overall, how many reps you're doing overall. But a lot of volume is trash. German volume training is one of the best examples of where we hit that diminishing return that I talked about earlier. You never want to do more work than you have to to get the results that you want. This is referred to as the minimal dose effect. There's a version of German volume training that uses 10 sets of 10, so 100 reps on various exercises. There is also a cousin of that training program referred to as the hundreds workout. Now, in German volume training, it would be 10 sets of 10, like I said. In the hundreds workout, it can be broken down into sets of 10 or just accumulating 100 reps as quickly as possible. So you could do, you know, 40 reps and then breaking it down by 10 or whatever. It doesn't even have to be 10s. It could be 12 and then you do 15 and then you do eight, whatever. But the question remains, could you get the same hypertrophy by only doing 60 reps? or 40 reps, so four sets of 10, six sets of 10, or in the hundreds workout, could it be a 50s workout? Do you need to do a 100? Obviously, load is a factor here. The load would need to match 
whatever the sets and reps are. Research would suggest that you only need four to six sets of 10 at the same load that you would do the 10 sets of 10 at in order to get the same hypertrophic effect, like I said, as the 10 sets of 10 with the same load. The extra sets did not actually do anything for hypertrophy, which is a massive finding in research. And this, you know, the study could have flaws that I'm unaware of, but it certainly makes sense to me having experienced both 10 by 10 German volume training and the hundreds workout, as well as working at lower volumes and absolutely getting great hypertrophy from that type of training. The premise of any high volume training is either to build capacity from a work standpoint, hopefully having carryover into your ability to do more work at higher intensities for a longer period of time. That's why we build work capacity for strength training, or it is strictly to build muscle. That's why we do high volume work. You're attempting to achieve that muscular fatigue and recruiting and fatiguing as many muscle fibers as possible. Now, trash volume refers to anything over that threshold. This is not a definite answer. This is not black and white. It's more of a question that I want you to ponder. When I see workouts that have eight exercises in them, I just question if that is absolutely needed. And if it's eight exercises at 30 reps per exercise, let's say three by 10 on everything across the board to make things easy, that's 24 sets. And according to one study that I read recently, they found that 12 to 20 sets is the threshold needed working at challenging loads in order to maximize hypertrophy? I would question if you could do four exercises with three sets each at a challenging load, maybe over five reps and achieve hypertrophy. Is that not better than having to complete 30 reps of eight different exercises? Of course, this context and those other factors would need to be considered. Maybe mm -hmm. someone does need to hit one muscle group from six plus, you know, six to eight different angles. I don't know. But if that was the case, I would then challenge if maybe they could get away with doing two sets of eight on those eight to whatever exercises or, you know, two sets working until you have one to two reps left in the tank on every set. I still think that's more efficient than just doing three sets of 10 on eight different exercises. So again, the, the takeaway there is just that trash volume is anything over what actually needs to be done. And if people are working hard enough during their working sets, do they need the extra volume? That is the question. That is all I will say about trash volume. One is that a lot of programs have it and it's not needed. And two, if more people worked closer to failure in their working sets, I don't think the extra volume is a necessity. Again, I do want to make a note about training age because someone with a higher training age may actually require higher volume at those same higher loads as well because they've accumulated that work capacity over years. Their body demands that in order to adapt and achieve further hypertrophy, it now needs the higher volume and challenging loads. With that, let's get into high loads. I mentioned an article earlier about trained men who tested back squat, and there was a high volume low load group and a low volume high load group. Both saw hypertrophic effects in the lower body from these different approaches. That was not true, however, for bench press. So they tested back squat and bench press. These were trained men, which is a big a big point to make clear because a lot of studies are done on untrained individuals. And for most people, 
that are training, they are trained individuals. They do have experience. So we want research in trained individuals to give us more accurate information. So the high load group on bench press actually saw greater hypertrophy gains and strength output, which could suggest that as training age increases, higher loads might be beneficial or even required for hypertrophy. Take that with a very, very large grain of salt. I'm saying it could suggest, and we need a lot more research on that in trained individuals, like I said, because how they adapt to these different methods is really what we want to know. I think there is a level of individuality that comes in here as well. I personally have always adapted best for hypertrophy to higher loads and lower volume. We're talking like since I was a high school athlete. Perhaps that is because of maybe I have a larger amount of type 2 A and B muscle fibers than type 1. That's completely, you know, speculation, but it could make sense hypothetically. Because I adapt well to this style of programming, it's also what I tend to enjoy. There was a time in my life where I literally hated doing like any reps more than six, but from an overall health and training standpoint, that is not the best approach to take forever. Even if you do enjoy and adapt well to high load, low volume training, you will likely benefit even from the metabolic adaptations that come with higher volume training. So that's something to consider. But don't forget that I've mentioned several times in this episode that I don't think most people are training at high enough loads, challenging enough loads, even in their high volume training. Oftentimes, I think people associate high load with automatically being low volume. When I say high load, I am referring to a challenging load for whatever the sets and reps are. If that's eight reps, if that's 12 reps, we still need to be training at a challenging load. Generally speaking, on training at near maximal loads, that would be low volume. You're probably getting more after the adaptation of strength at that point than hypertrophy. So you may certainly also have hypertrophic effects training at low volume and high loads, because we can get hypertrophy on a large spectrum. But don't forget that I've mentioned several times in this episode that I don't think, again, most people are training at high enough loads for the results that they want to get, even if they are doing high volume training. So that wraps up today's episode for hypertrophy and just some things to consider, some some claims that have been made or maybe some thoughts that people have had over the years in regards to if high volume is best for hypertrophy or if we need to train to failure or what high loads, you know, how do they play a role in hypertrophy and what what is trash volume? What is too much when it comes to hypertrophy? Hopefully today's episode gave you some insights, something to think about, something to play with with your clients if you are a coach. If you are not on my main mailing list and you would like to be, go to anniemiller.co slash news. That is where you can get Annie's Weekly Wisdom. I drop my YouTube videos there as well, in addition to podcast episodes and exclusive listener discounts. You can also get Annie's Daily Dose. I don't hold you hostage. You can unsubscribe anytime. Until next time, I thank you for listening to the FitzPro podcast, and please do give the show five stars and a written review wherever you tune in. I'm Annie Miller, and I will catch you in the next one.